0: Hello, hello. Happy New Year. Welcome to this week's podcast. I'm your host, Matt Scanlon. Today, we're joined by Dave Picardi, Chandler Walker, from Out of the Cave Media. We we hit on pretty much every hot-button issue in affiliate ownership today. Uh, you know, from sales to marketing to branding and to rebranding so we talk about all these different things Uh, I really enjoyed the conversation with these guys for a couple of reasons Um, a their honesty you'll kind of hear in our conversation about well let's just take rebranding as an example you know this idea of I need to rebrand my gym is sort of the new topic of conversation amongst especially affiliate owners. It's one of these interesting things to where there is no right or wrong answer here. It is all in how you approach it. What I appreciate about these guys' perspective is that they're honest about what it takes to undergo a rebrand. So if you are a gym right now that is maybe considering uh, a rebrand or dropping your affiliation or whatever the case may be. If this is on your mind right now, uh, this episode is 100% for you. You should definitely pay attention uh, to what uh, where the discussion goes as far as a rebrand is concerned. It's an interesting point in our industry that uh, this has become a, you know, a, a common thing that people are doing or considering. Uh My fear, however, is that this is our next shiny object or our next silver bullet, meaning you know people aren't joining my gym because of the name on the outside and if that's really your reason for a rebrand, uh, I don't think that you're doing it for the right reasons or People aren't joining my gym because they're intimidated by what we do outside, you know, and if you really haven't created content or blog posts or videos or testimonials, I mean, if you just don't have a hundred posts speaking to what you do inside your gym, a rebrand will probably be detrimental to what you're doing because once you rebrand, you're right there in the thick of it with everybody else. You've got nobody advocating or creating content on your behalf. So it's important. I'm not saying there's, again, I'm not going to say that there's a, a right answer or wrong answer, uh, but it is a decision that should come with a lot of consideration and a lot of evaluation. So I would say if you haven't written a blog post a week for the last year or two, uh, you know maybe a rebrand and now's not the time for a rebrand let's maybe build up the habits that generate brand awareness instead of rebranding you know if you're not creating regular video content in your gym, you know maybe a rebrand isn't going to solve your problems because You've got a branding issue. You know, you're not explaining how what you do is different than the gym down the street. Now, let's say you drop your affiliation or you change your name and you're not doing those things. It's going to be even harder to get new people in the door again because there isn't that base of the brand. So if this is something that's on your mind, this is certainly the episode for you. In addition to rebranding, we talk about creating strategic partnerships, developing your ideal client avatars. We talk about selling versus building a friendship. Uh, What does it take to actually generate a lead? What are some effective ways to generate leads that stay around that are high value customers? So, we get into a lot of interesting things. Basically, this episode could be summarized as every Facebook thread on gym ownership ever. Uh, We pretty much hit on all of it, which made it a really fun episode for us. So, I'd like to give a big shout out to our partner for today's episode, InBody USA. InBody is a very accurate body composition scanner. Quick and easy, Uh, great way to kick off nutrition services. We're getting ready to use it for a nutrition challenge in my gym. I use it as a lead generating tool for corporate wellness programs. I take it to health fairs. Uh, It's a great way to just generate some interest and generate leads in your gym. Again, like the rebrand, it is not a magic bullet. This is a very expensive piece of equipment uh, this is an investment no doubt so um, you know it's it's not something that's gonna save your gym from the you know the brink of closing by any means it is not a magic bullet but it's an incredible tool that that I personally have used a lot to, to generate a bunch of leads um, so there's a link in the show notes. If you're interested, uh, InBody offers a special promotions for our listeners. Just fill out that form, and uh, they will get to you with more information. Again, a uh, big thank you to InBody USA for partnering with us on today's show. Enjoy today's episode with Dave Picardi and Chandler Walker. Check them out, ootcmedia.com, cavemedia.com to learn a little bit more about what those guys are up to. Thanks for listening. If you haven't yet, subscribe to the show. Share it with a friend. Leave us a review. We've got some great interviews coming up. Also, want to remind those of you that are members of our 321 Go Think Tank. That is the online community of gym owners who are subscribed to The Hub. As of the release of this, tomorrow, Wednesday, January 10th at 11 central time we will be having a facebook live q a in our think tank with mr jason kalipa so those of you that are interested tomorrow wednesday the 10th 11 a.m central standard time we've got A Q&A live in the think tank with jason kalipa so those of you that are subscribed to the hub and you are in the think tank be sure to tune in tomorrow block off the time now uh, and get your questions ready we've got a thread going with questions, we'll go rapid fire on that thing tomorrow, if you're listening to this, the day that it airs. Again, subscribe to this show so you don't miss any other important news like this. Share it with a friend and leave us a review. Thank you so much. We'll see you next week. Guys, welcome to this week's episode of 321GO Podcast. We're joined by a couple of great guys, Dave Picardi, Chandler Walker from Out of the Cave Media. Today, we're going to talk all things marketing, specifically relationship marketing, which I am uh super excited and super passionate about. Uh let's start off this way. Dave, you mentioned to me off the air that you were, correct me if I'm wrong, the 36th CrossFit affiliate. Is that correct? That,
1: that is correct.
0: Take us back, my man. <laughs> <laughs> well so um I've come kind of full
1: journey in this affiliate thing, right? It's like so back in the day, the affiliate thing was about putting on like uh putting on your armor, getting your sword, charging out into the world, and, um, and changing the world. And it was all about CrossFit, right? Like, we're going to change the world. And everybody was really good friends back then. And, uh, you know, we're all sharing everything and talking. And, uh, you know, we go so far back that, you know, we had mastermind calls when there was six of the original affiliates that out of the top 100 that used to share ideas. And we kind of created the group exercise model early on. Uh, back then it was like i always called it spreadsheet math you know we're, we're running numbers and we're saying okay so if we get you know 150 bucks a month and you have 150 people this is our revenue right and no one took into consideration well now like my gym now that we own is is 11,500 square feet and we have 150 grand in equipment and no one ever added that to the spreadsheet map.
0: There's never any so, expenses on the other side of the ledger, right? When you're <laughs>
1: right, right. We were we were doing it, and I came from the personal training business. I kind of knew better, but uh, we had the mindset almost like uh, like people's members have now, where they look at they look around and they do that they they add it all up in their fingers and go, "You must be killing it, right?" <laughs> so, so then we spun off. Um, I mean, we went through, it's like the dark ages for me. Like, you know, we were uh, always like this world-class training center and it was always about excellence and, uh, you know, kind of the original message. Right. And, uh, and then CrossFit kind of got its legs under it and which I think is a great thing. Uh, but things changed because it wasn't an organization before and they became an organization. So, early on guys, a lot of them, I know I did felt pretty slighted over the whole thing. And, you know, I have my coaches, my members, uh, people that used to be really good friends of mine. This is where the relationship stuff for me, like started. Um, How could someone that was like, pretty much like family, all of a sudden, one day, open up a gym next door, and try to take as many members and stop talking to me, Mm -hmm. right? So that was, that was like a pain point for me. So, I got pretty upset. So for me, it was always about, well, we're out of it and CrossFit, whatever. And, uh, but we, we kept our affiliate. Um, but then I kind of came full circle and this is where Chan and I, uh, like really knocked it out of the park because our whole company and business is set up around dealing with those problems, mm. right? Like, like understanding that like the relationship systems in a service based business, uh, and it, and it's about abundance, not scarcity. And, in, you know, understanding your brand, like, so at this point we rebranded Treehouse School of Fitness from North Shore CrossFit. I'm still the original affiliate, 36th, you know, like we're still the big dogs in, in the area. And now we, we have re-embraced our CrossFit brand as our strategic partner. And we promote it again, you know, but, but the, we fly the flag of Treehouse so I can go still talk to doctors and sports teams and, and whoever, and it still works um, but that's, that's kind of how I came full, full circle with it. Right. I loved it. Um, I had a real problem with it. Uh, and now, and now, you know what, like it's more about understanding your brand, your culture, how to speak about it, how to bring the personality from your community into the world. Um, that's what people are missing. That's what I was missing, the understanding. And, uh, now that's what we actually do and provide. So it, it's made me happy.
0: That's really interesting. Uh, on that note, there seems to be a new thing where oh, – maybe a new belief amongst affiliate owners that a rebrand solves all of my problems. Yeah, we thought a, that too.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a big misconception. We find that people think that, oh, by rebranding, I'm going to solve all my problems, everything's going to go away, and leads are just going to flood in my door because the big – They think the problem is the affiliates surrounding them are somehow taking away all the leads that are searching for CrossFit in their area. And what you find is that CrossFit searches are so dense usually that all these affiliates are a small subset of the whole fitness population in the area. So when they do rebrand, all they're doing is masking the underlying problems in their business. So they usually have infrastructure problems. They have financial problems. They have problems with the fact that they've never branded themselves. They don't actually go out there and do biz devs, strategic partnerships. There's no content going out that differentiates them. It's just content of the guy in the nipple tank throwing a barbell against the wall. So they're, they're not creating that, that differentiation identity. And by rebranding, now you've taken your problems you already had and made them worse because now you're in the overall market. Now you have to compete against personal training studios, yoga studios, other CrossFit gyms, Globo gyms. So you've just taken your problem and exacerbated it ten times. And we always tell people, if you want to rebrand, this is a twelve-month process to really build a true brand that you can depend on. Because if you go in that open market and try and think people are just going to magically find you at your door, uh, you're you're crazy because it's
0: not going to work. I I always kind of do this exercise. Well, this is the first time I've ever put numbers to it, but in my mind, so let's t- talk about branding and advertising and and sending this message out into your community. In my mind, the first place that I go when somebody believes that a rebrand solves their problems is I try to guess, what do I think CrossFit HQ's annual media budget is? What do you think their annual, like, (laughs) everybody on salary, what do you think that budget is? I don't know. Let's even call it, let's call it $10 million, and I'm being, like, super conservative. You know, let's just say they've got a $10 million annual media budget. Divide that by the 14,000 affiliates. That's still a lot of money spent per affiliate. And so I'm like, oh, yeah. do you plan to start spending that? Do you plan to start hiring somebody to do these things? Because if not, that's what you're giving up, right? And so to, to your guys' point, it's I think there's a misconception of what it actually takes to build a brand, right?
2: Yeah, it's huge. It's insane the amount of work it takes, the amount of money it takes, and the amount of time it takes, and the ability to be creative enough to know who you are how you differentiate from other businesses, what your culture looks like, and then what the people inside do so you can use them to leverage your brand and build that brand. And people don't understand that. And uh, we always look at HQ's content. They're like, we tell people you can use that, but at the same time, you need to look inside your affiliate and use the people inside to really differentiate yourself and really create that product where people see CrossFit so-and-so and and they know who that is specifically because of the, the information they've seen them put out, the content they've seen them put out and just the vast amount of experience they've shown people that they have inside their affiliate versus affiliates who just have the name but don't do anything. And so it doesn't matter what name you have. What matters is you showcase the people inside and the humans who operate the business because that's what builds a relationship, and that's what people learn to trust.
0: Legit. Uh, Chandler, I'm sorry. We kind of like dove right into some really technical discussions. (laughs) We didn't (laughs) – I, I kind of want to get to know you, so uh, Chandler's so- the man. Like we want to hear this story. Hell yeah! <laughs> Take <laughs> yeah, us
2: back, I do stuff. So back in the day, we had. I was originally part of CrossFit Reno, which was the only gym in Reno, and it was like the seventy-fifth affiliate back then. So now it's probably like the forty-ninth. <laughs> but it was uh, it was basically like an L-shaped corridor. I think it was six hundred square feet, and that was all you had to roll around. And then we put a jujitsu studio in there. So now that 600 square feet was cut in half almost because there was a box of jujitsuers. And uh, during that time period, I started a blog called just, it was stoneagefuel.blogspot.com. Then I was in school for biochemistry and biology. And I just started, Steph and I just started writing about the fallacies in the supplement industry and what we thought it meant from a biochemical perspective. So we started writing about kind of, kind of the lies and a lot of the stuff that didn't make sense that supplement companies were peddling and we could write it from a scientific perspective because we had the ability to write about it get in the lab and actually test things and play with things like at one point we took a bunch of probiotics and put them in the lab put them on a plate and then we got to see if they were really on the what they said they were and we found that a lot of them actually didn't have anything in there and some of them had bad bacteria in there so it was really neat to be able to go in there and test and understand that stuff and what that turned into and in about, that was started in about 2008, 2009, and then we started traveling around. We got invited to gyms to do seminars and talks. We called it our evolutionary health talk. Then in 2013, we decided maybe we should finally open a gym. We, at this point, we'd, have, we'd helped two other gyms in town and pretty much trained everybody in the entire city who owns gyms, and now there's like 17 of them. Uh, so at that point, we were like, all right, let's open our own gym. So we opened Stone Age Fuel in 2013, The whole thing was relationship driven and relationship focused from the start because we realized the blog was back when blogs were cool so it was like when everybody was writing on blogspot and then the blog turned into like hey maybe we should do this on facebook because facebook's the cool thing now and so then we started to build the the brand on facebook and then from that it turned into the brick and mortar location and when you look at the way we started back in the day we started just providing helpful information content that built the identity behind our brand we came up with the name stone age fuel because it kind of made sense. And then it turned into a brick and mortar location, which filled our door before we even opened the door. And then that resulted in where we're at today. So we have the gym, Stone Age Fuel. It's a, a CrossFit side. It has a Fitness for Life facility in it. And then it's a USA Weightlifting Training Center. So we've been involved with USA Weightlifting in almost every major event they've had since 2013. We ran the 2014 Junior Pan American Championships, seven days of like 14 hours of work and no sleep. So that was pretty exciting. And then we ran the 2015 American Open, which was the biggest weightlifting meet in the history of the sport. I still remember the CEO calling me or messaging me on Facebook and saying, hey, we got 955 lifters. And then he went 955. And I was like, mother of God, what are we going (laughs) to (laughs) do? it had never done be- been done before we had people blogging like oh it's going to be terrible they're going to it's going to be awful nobody's going to make it they're going to screw it up and then we made we were like hey we're going to we're going to one up all of you guys and make this a four platform meet and then that blew their mind they were like oh no we, this can't work this is never going to work and, and we did it. And we ran on time the whole weekend. Nothing went wrong. I even lifted in the meet, which was probably a terrible idea. <laughs> and, then, uh, and then that just resulted in almost every year hosting an event with USA Weightlifting and building a pretty good relationship with them. So now we're, we run their athletic development program as one of the gyms. And we have a huge youth program. So it's just I always find everything's been relationship-driven as I build up. It's, it's everybody I know and everybody who I've taken care of and everybody who I've helped out has come back to help me out.
0: Chandler, uh, props, by the way. That's an awesome story. Uh, <laughs> uh, there's something that you said that I that I really latched onto, and it's related to your blog. And I think we're going to kind of get into this discussion about what does relationship marketing mean. Um, but all right, let's say it like this. Anytime I teach somebody about marketing, I usually tell them, hey, build an audience first sell a product second. Right? And and when you're telling a gym owner this you're like, "Hey, just build trust, build an audience. Like get people following the stuff that you're doing. Let have the, like if they're not going to go to your website and like read a 300-word blog that you wrote, you think they're going to step into your door and grab a barbell? Hell no. Right? It's like incrementally build trust with with people and for gym owners out there, I think a good way for them to think about this is all of these sort of uh, exercise and business celebrities that gym owners sort of follow, I think if they sort of step away from that, it's like, hey, these people are building an audience, and then they're just figuring out what they're going to sell to that audience, right? They don't necessarily have their product first. They build these massive audiences and then just find different products to sell to them. Um,
1: Well, they're the product first.
0: Exactly, exactly.
1: And that's that's the, the part that... Uh, like we talked about it a little bit uh, when we first were intro in here, you know, with the with the brand name, like so, the name on your door, you know, the the misconception is, and, and this is why everybody's looking to rebrand, is that CrossFit being the name on their door, all of a sudden, is not a good thing, uh, and we need to, have, you know, we need to have our own brand. But what they're missing is, is CrossFit, just because it's the name on your door, doesn't make it your brand. It's your strategic partner that you're using their name. You know, so and that's, you know, debatable, like some people might want it, not want it. I, I don't think it really matters as much. What I think is important is, is that your brand is you in your culture. And so it's it's the story of you in your culture that builds an audience, not the name on the door. Right. And that's that's the big piece.
0: 100 percent. And I think that you right. see all of these different examples. There's you know, there's with CrossFit media lately, there's been this big push of showing Everyday, ordinary people, you know, people that are elderly, you know, we're seeing all of these things. And so that's a good example of, all right, maybe three years ago, that brand was a little bit more aggressive. Right. That's a good example. Like you can change that brand from within your gym.
2: Yeah, that's it. And the thing is, when. You look at people who want to build their brand or people who think, we always hear, oh, I need more leads in. And then we have to look at it and say, okay, why do you need more leads? What's the fundamental reason why you don't have anything in your facility? And then we look at it from two segues. Do you wanna just dump a bunch of money into direct marketing and lose trust of the consumer? Cause they always see you putting out this just stuff to try to trick them to go to a landing page, to trick them quick enough to get them to walk in your gym and hopefully convert 3% of them. Or do you want to build that audience up to where they follow you? You have this subset of raving fans. They read all your blogs. They watch all your videos. They comment on everything. They email you. And then when they walk in your door, they're like, hey, sign me up because I know Johnny. I know Jill. I know Jim. I know your whole staff. And I've never even been in this place. Yeah. And and that's what we want. If if they walk in and they know you specifically by name and they know what you're doing and they know all your coaches and they've never been in your facility once – that's when you're at a point to where you build that audience who recognize you, recognizes you, who cares about you and who feels that they've connected with you because they walked in there because of you, not just not because of the name on your door. Your name could be zero gravity, fitness, CrossFit, whatever. It doesn't really matter. All it matters is you like you were saying, you build that audience and you build that brand and and you'll ultimately you build that trust as a result of everything. It's
0: yeah, um, yeah. I always do this exercise. You know, anytime we've ever done a seminar or anything, and we get to the marketing piece, uh, the first question I'll, I'll always ask a group of people is, "How many hours of podcasts do you think you listened to before you spent one dollar with this company?" And i and we're like, people are like, "Oh, I don't know, fifty, a hundred hours of podcast." All right, how many? <laughs> how many of our blog posts did you read? Uh, I don't know, thirty, forty, and it's like, all right, that's it. You know, you, you know, paid. Two, three, four, five hundred dollars for a weekend seminar. You know, and you had to consume all of this content to develop the trust to part with a very minuscule percentage of your revenue. Now, put yourself in the shoes of a potential gym member. You're asking them for two, three, four times that much money. You're asking them to completely change their life, change the way that they hand off their kids with their spouse, change their work commute. They're going to need to buy a gym bag, maybe buy some nanos, maybe get some new workout clothes. (laughs) Think about how they felt when they were in grade school gym class. You are asking somebody to fundamentally change their life, and you believe that just like a Facebook ad is going to get you there? Exactly. Yeah, it, blows, it
2: blows my mind. It's You tell people, what kind of industry are you in? They're like, well, we're in the health and wellness. I'm like, no, you're in a relationship-based industry. All, these people need to trust you and they need to want to come in to see you. You, they, you need to build the fact that they need you in their mind because of you and because it's the information you're putting out and the way you talk about them and the way you showcase regular people and the way you portray yourself and, and if we can build this. Like you're saying, that's when we build that trust. And it takes a long time to build trust and people fundamentally don't have patience, especially business owners. They think there's a magic pill a lot of the time where you run an ad and you get 575 leads and you close them all and then life is good and you go sit on Bora Bora and drink Mai Tais. But in reality, what it is, it's, it's an incredible amount of patience. Sometimes it's a 12-month buildup process to get you to the point where your brand is strong enough to have a sustainable and predictable flow of business coming into your facility. And it's not just from running like ads on Facebook. It's, okay, you have all your social media coming out. You have your content-building brand. You have your strategic partners-building brand. You have your workshops-building brand. And you have – everything just comes full circle into itself. And then you have an actual system.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, walk us through – something that we talk we hear a lot about is sales cycle like what is the what is the length of your sales cycle and and Chandler you just mentioned hey that could be up to a year that it takes to build trust with those people i mean i know i've had people join my gym and they're like yeah bro i've been following you on facebook and reading your blog and listening to your podcast for the last 3 years and i drive by your gym every single day today's the day that i decided to walk in that's right and it so it's not all right, let's – I want to talk about this, how marketing or branding doesn't necessarily change people's mind. But what it does is at the point that their mind changes, you're the first person they think of. Um, does well, it's that- also – you have
1: you have to be it, – It's like that is it. But it's also uh, – like so say like you and I bump into each other at the coffee shop. I, we, Chan and I like to use the coffee shop as the uh, – uh, kind of like the Petri dish of all, life's, <laughs>
2: oh,
1: life's all about coffee. Great. Yep. So you know, I go into the coffee shop. I learned, I mean, I'm a natural sales guy. I went through ridiculous amounts of sales training uh, and now I anti-sell, right? Like my whole life's about anti-selling. I don't want to sell. I want to help. And then I want to go about my business. And so you go into a coffee shop and you know, you're a, you're a gym owner that's working with consultants because everybody needs to at this point. Right. So, and you're, tra- you're practicing your sales, and you got to get clients. And you know the the fastest way to clear out a coffee shop is be the local gym guy that needs a client, right? You, you walk <laughs> in, true. everyone goes, "Oh no, oh no, Dave's here," and they all leave because you you just make them feel bad about themselves because they know you're the guy that's judging them for what they're eating and what they're eating or, or like what they're uh, how they look, all that stuff, right? So the key is content needs to be put out not to try to get a client it needs to be put out to try to build a friendship and a relationship and when you happen to wake up one day and have the decision to today's a day like like i don't like what i look like or oh my god i just tripped walking and, and i'm and and screw that like i don't want to trip ever walking again like and and then i saw your content that i see all the time i'm like you know what I'm calling Matt today. Today's the day. Mm-hmm. You have yeah. to be in front of them all the time, so that when it's the time they make their decision, they think of you. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's a big piece.
0: Yep,
2: and that's huge. I find any more if I'm walking around and someone asks, I never mention the, the business unless they specifically ask me what I do. And, and then I talk. To, I try to get a little bit about them first, and then when they ask me for a card, I tell them, "Oh, I don't carry those. I don't have any of those. Uh, just open your phone. Follow me on Facebook." Or Instagram, what social network are you on? Do you listen to podcasts? Just follow us on there. Because if I hand them a business card, it's going to go straight in the trash. But if they like me on Facebook, there's a chance, or Instagram, or listen to my, our gym podcast, then we know that at some point they're going to consume our content and continuously watch us. A business card can be thrown away, but the following on social media builds, and they're going to see that. And then you can use like money to to build the awareness around it or get them listening to a podcast where they automatically get it twice a week or whatever. And then you're in a good position to continue nurturing them.
0: Yes. 100%. Let's, let's walk. So we're dancing around maybe a couple different tactics, uh, but let's maybe give the gym owners listening to this a picture of, okay guys, like I get it. I need to create content. I need to get people to trust me, I need to build my brand, but, you know, Monday morning I'm sitting down and there's a blank screen on my computer, like, what the hell does that mean? How do I get started, guys? Like, so give us an idea, what, this, what does this look like if you're, you know, maybe you've tried to run a few challenges, maybe you've tried to do a few Facebook ads, maybe you've played around with Google Pay Per Click and you're just not seeing the return on that investment that you would expect, and you're like, you know what, I need a more sustainable pipeline. Guys, what's the first thing I do? Yeah, I think
2: the first thing you need to do is you need to learn and understand what makes you different and unique. And in order to do that, you need to essentially interview all of your staff, figure out their strengths, their weaknesses, their personalities, and then interview your clients and figure out why they specifically came in, the stories they can tell, and the reasons they like you. And then from that, what we do is we build content specifically around the people inside our facility. So when they portray it, it shows that they really care. It makes them shine, and it's put in a way that they can actually do it really well. So if we get we get a lot of people producing different realms of content, we get some people who are really good at video, so they make videos. We get some people who are really good writers, so they write. We get some people who wouldn't be caught dead on the video, but they will talk and they don't mind if their voice is out there, so we start a podcast with those people. And so you need to understand what your staff's good at and leverage their strengths, and then understand what your customers are looking for and why they came in to see you and why they stayed there. Then you have an idea of the culture inside your facility and you have an idea of how you can build your brand around that because your brand should be built from the people inside to help the people outside understand why they should come see you. So once you get that going, you just organize your, your information into phases of strategic planning. So phase one, is kind of our discovery phase. So what did we find out? How can we organize this into a calendar? What could go wrong? And is it a good idea to move forward? Then we move into our planning phase. Okay, now that we've got this, we're gonna take each one of our staff members, we're gonna organize them in a day of the week. They all have a responsibility to produce something. Sometimes they're gonna do conversations with customers or whatever we decide. Now that's done. Now we have execution phase. So now we're executing on putting all that content out. Everybody has a responsibility. And if you have a staff and you give everybody the responsibility of like one segment a week, it's not the business or the gym owner trying to do it every day, which is going to burn them out and destroy them. So if you can set this out and if you're, if you're a one man operation, then set it up. Okay. I can do two pieces a week comfortably. I can make one video and write one blog and I won't go crazy. And so you have to set yourself up in a way that you're not going to burn yourself out doing this, set your staff up. So they're set up to go. Then once you have this motor in running, you go out to five local businesses a month and you establish little partnerships with those businesses. So you say, all right, how can I, and it's not going in there and trying to pull clients out like Dave was saying, it's going in there and saying, Hey, I'm going to buy your products. I'm going to get to know every one of your employees by name. I'm going to get to know your managers. And then in a month or two, I'll see if we can do a workshop together. Or I'll see what we can do to work together. And, I'll, and then you work into strategic partnerships. So who do I know? Like chiropractors physical therapists, doctors, who do I know that can funnel people into me and I can funnel people into them. So if I have a physical therapist who has people coming out of PT, they can come into my fundamentals program as a segue to keep them healthy. And if I have people in fundamentals who are hurt and I know that they're going to need a lot more help than what we can provide, then they can do fundamentals at the same time as PT. So now I have strategic partners and, and the whole idea is to organize this from content on the internet to, People in your local community who recognize you and if you get that in all all regards you're in a good position to crush it
0: it's like a sound hearing you describe that it sounds like a massive spider web you're putting out this spider web to all of these different things and then what you want to do is step back and look all right what what things connected you know like is it does it go ahead
1: no, so the, so the big thing is like so our process that we take people through is what we realize is because Chen and I give it all away for free uh, but then our, our service is based on you need an actual like accountability and a manager and we actually take we it it takes six months to build that spider web and we have and we have weekly tasks and, and and you know ways that we do it so you go off with homework and we go off and do backend work and we kind of meet in the middle and uh, and what happens is, is is you know it's it's more than just go, go work with five businesses. Like how do you tie that into your community? You know, so we usually start uh, like in your business, who, what businesses, what do people do for work? How can you then interact with them? Uh, And then go out and create programs based on your community. Cause really what it comes down to is bring a friend day, the concept of bring a friend day, right? You need to create a spider web that is totally intertwined So it's not separate, separate work, separate everything. It always, everything leads to each other. Um, But ultimately you're looking at every single point where if you're educating and you're featuring clients and all all the stuff they have to do, you're giving everybody you know the opportunity to bring a friend to some aspect of your network, Mm -hmm. right? And so like like I know like I treat it personally, if I'm doing free workshop, seminar, Uh, anything that's considered to me the energy exchange is considered a sale right so it's just because i gave you information we're actually doing business with each other you are a client of mine now whether or not i got cash for it or not if you gave me a smile back I, i accept that as payment so you're in my network now and now all i all i need from you is to bring a friend to this network Right. I mean, that takes time. It takes time to build, and it takes a, an overall strategy, um, you know, and, and you can't forget, which is what gym owners do. They forget they were even working on it.
2: Yeah, 100 And then they don't have patience. They're like, oh, well, it didn't work in three days. I'm done. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so there are, there are a couple things that I notice in things that you both said, and interesting things I want to point out. Uh, number one is know who your customers are. There's a – I've told this same anecdote a hundred times on this podcast, but uh, for a long time I thought, hey, people aren't joining the gym because women are afraid of barbells. So I need to have this no barbell class to cater to the women who are afraid to come in. And, well – that class sucked ass nobody came to it and then i finally <laughs> asked the, and then i and then i asked uh, all of the women in my gym i go hey how do you feel about barbells they're like it makes me feel like the most badass chick in the world yeah i love it that's and it. i was like there we go that's our thing you know and yep. and so and then we did all right we have a class that is women only barbells only and we're just crushing it most popular thing we've ever done best marketing that we've ever done. And I just had to yep. be like, oh, maybe I should stop projecting myself onto these potential clients and just ask somebody. Crazy
2: thought. That's it. <laughs> Never assume. I would, Like you assume, oh, they're all afraid of barbells. And then you ask and you're like, oh, wow, actually they really love things. Yep. And I think we find that when we assume and when we think things are common sense, we're generally wrong because assumptions are usually, they don't make sense. And then common sense really isn't common.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the other... The other piece to that is uh, what it really shows is a lack of overall like a big, huge brand cultural awareness strategy. It's just you don't people don't have it. And so it's, you know, like back then when you were doing that with the with the no barbell class, you, know, you probably were running a great community in a great gym. You're relying on the CrossFit brand. There was no connection, yeah. right? Like, how do we go out into the real world and educate? So it was sit behind our you know, brick and mortar locations, throw stuff out on our blogs and in social media and hope people come in, yeah. you know, and, and then when they stopped coming in, it was CrossFit's fault, mm. right? Mm-hmm. You know, we didn't do the work, but it was their fault, yeah. you know, and, and that's part of that. Uh, as you build these strategic relationships locally, understand that if you're a CrossFit affiliate, that is a big strategic relationship. That's a global strategic relationship you have. So the the key with the strategic relationship is the relationship piece, right? Mm -hmm. Both parties have a responsibility to each other. So CrossFit's doing its responsibility. What are you doing on your end to live up to your strategic partnership? Are you producing content? Are you going out into the local community to build awareness, right? Are you lecturing? Are you doing all these things? Because if you're not, you're a shitty strategic partner.
2: (laughs) Yeah, we find, I was talking about this the other night, we find CrossFit puts us in a position to where people can search for us and they can even indirectly find you. So we have a huge like youth weightlifting and sports performance program in our, in our gym and a lot of people initially found that program through searching for CrossFit and they're like, oh wow, Olympic weightlifting, we can check this out. So you have to remember too, your strategic partnerships sometimes drive indirect business into your gym. And so when you have that conversation... You're either you're probably not doing anything, and you don't understand how the strategic partner is, how you're able to leverage them in a way that's going to be beneficial to you both. And like Dave's saying, if you're a shitty strategic partner, then you probably should revisit the relationship, or CrossFit should drop you because you're not helping them out by
0: being bitter. Hmm, I like it. It's uh, that's a good look in the mirror, fellas.
1: It really is. I, I had to look in that mirror. I was pissed, man. Like I was so, I was like a little angry guy up in, up in Boston, uh, but it wasn't at my friends. Like I get all these friends in CrossFit and all the way up. Like I love Greg and uh, the whole team. Like, I guess, you know, I, I don't know a lot of the newer team, but you know, it was um like, we even had, so we, we were, we weren't even really co-branded. I had, we have always had a lot of athletic training and that was before even I got involved in CrossFit. So we called that Treehouse Athletics as a separate brand. And, and a, back at, this was like probably three or so, four years ago. And we did that because we actually would get, like, I'd go, I'd have to go lecture and tell parents how it's not CrossFit. And they'd be like, but your name's CrossFit. I'm like, but it's not CrossFit. Like the, the, the level one gymnasts in New England wouldn't do CrossFit. They didn't, like, if you said the word, they quit. And so it was like, we, we did have a slight problem with that that we needed to fix business wise. But it wasn't CrossFit's fault. That was my fault. Right. Yeah. So we had this strategic thing. And so, like, here's a uh, hopefully, maybe they hear it, maybe they don't, who cares. Yeah. So, two years <laughs> ago, two, three, I think it was two years ago, we were um, over 10 years as an affiliate. And I reached out and said uh, to Dave Castro, I said, hey, yeah, we're, we're a 10 year affiliate. Uh, wouldn't it be cool to come up to my gym, which is big enough to host the uh, open, the first open workout? And then you guys, because it was when they were kind of switching back mm-hmm. to the normal people, yeah. like stuff yeah. and not going just after Elite. I it would be a great story. We'd love to have you. And they were coming here. So it was a Frasier versus Froning First workout thing, right? So we're all excited, and we're doing all this work. We got caterers and and the chairs and just the whole thing's ready to go. So five days before they come, I don't know who he is. He works for HQ, but he sends an email just saying we've decided not to use your location. And that was it. It It's like five days out. Like we get this place all pimped out. Like we've got all this work. We just did so much. So then I'm hammering. I'm going, what the hell's going on, you know? And and what I got back was, um, it looks like you have some sort of a co-brand or a different program going on, and we only want to come to gyms that 100% only do CrossFit. And I was like, I went, I walked right outside and ripped the sign off the door, and <laughs> we had I'm like I'm switching my brand, and I was so angry, right? Oh, yes. <laughs> so. That actually was a catalyst for us to change our brand, but we didn't even need to. And it, it was that's a misunderstanding from our end and also from CrossFit's end, because they've been fighting that forever. This whole like, keep our brand, and it, they're like really fighting hard for that. And, uh, I think it's all an education. And Chan and I want to help with that, where it's you don't have to change your brand. If you're a CrossFit affiliate, keep the name on your door, right? Mm-hmm. It's a good thing. Yep. We can teach you and help you keep your name on your door. You know, I think it,
0: it's an important thing for people to realize that, Dave, I think you said this early on. You go, you know, we basically created group fitness, and while we're sitting here talking and it feels like that was a long time ago, in the grand scheme of everything, it was yesterday.
1: Right. Exactly. Yeah.
0: And so, all right, so we've introduced uh, group fitness. Next. Another thing that CrossFit introduced into the marketplace was the idea of affiliation over franchise. Now that yes. is even crazier than group exercise that the, the general public does not even come close to understanding that. And so now you have this idea that all right, there's the same name on the door but according to your, you know, in all reality you can have one affiliate that does hip hop dance classes followed by downward facing dog for two and a half hours. And you have the same name as this gym over here. I see that as an opportunity instead of a hurdle.
2: Yes. Yeah. We find it's it's all about, it's not what the name is. It's perception built around what you're doing. And so if you're doing hip hop dance, downward yoga, the gym down the street, people are going to see that. (laughs) And they're like, dang, that's pretty cool. He's doing hip hop (laughs) dance and yoga. And then if you're over here doing like barbell stuff and showcasing that, and then if the guy down the street's doing like underwater basket weaving, now you've got three different subsets inside the same kind of franchise looking model, but more of the affiliation model. And so people can see that and they're like, oh, man, well, that CrossFit does hip hop dance. That one does underwater basket weaving and that one does barbells. I'm super interested in underwater basket weaving because it's awesome. So I'm going to go over there and check them out. And that's ultimately creating that identity around who you are and creating a perception around your brand. And so then everybody will identify each different facility with their, their little quirks and their differences. But the problem is the gyms don't know how to showcase that and they don't know how to build that perception or they just don't do anything and they expect magic to happen at their door. And so if they really want to build that perception, that identity, it's showcase who you are and showcase what makes you different. Don't showcase the same thing Is everybody's standing there being like, hello, my name's Bob. Today, we're going to teach you how to do a kipping pull-up, and so does everybody else, so you're going to get bored and leave this conversation. You need to get in there and show them, like, hey, this is Bob. I'm going to show you how to do underwater basket weaving because it's what makes us different, and this is really cool, and that's what builds that perception, and that's what builds that identity, and that's what builds that brand.
0: And what a cool – I cannot – off the top of my head, I can't think of another business to where you can pay such – you know so little money and step into (laughs) such a massive search engine presence such a massive brand awareness yet still have the opportunity to create differentiation underneath that massive heading there's really no i mean what other business are you going to start it's not like you can do a planet fitness like oh i have planet fitness it has instant brand recognition and billboards but also we crush weight in here you can't do <laughs> exactly. that. You, there's no, no. other but, opportunity like that.
1: It, it, it's a ridiculous opportunity. It puts, um, like, it, it, this goes back to, you know, when I ran into my problems with it as it grew, was in, in New England, I was lecturing in colleges. I was, you know, like, re, like getting up there and, and really growing that CrossFit brand and putting a ton of work into it. And at one point, people were saying to me, wow, your CrossFit thing's really taken off. And I'm like, well, it's not my thing. We're just a part of it right but it but people thought that the i had members that thought that like holy sh- look at all these locations you have i'm like no that's no, not me you know like and then i didn't do this but then what i found was and this was this is it still goes back to this is why we we have out of the cave media for this exact reason so i went from being spread out where people would drive two hours to train with me i'm lecturing all over new england Uh, we had a huge network and then over a period of a few years i just kept getting put down into my own little box oh which crossfit guy are you oh you're the guy that owns the location over here and i'm like no i'm the i'm the guy wait a minute wait a minute what happened right (laughs) and then they're like oh no i go to this guy he's amazing i'm like is that the kid that I kicked out of my gym because he didn't know how to snatch? You know what I mean? Like, like so it was like this weird thing because because I made my identity just the word CrossFit, mm. right? Like so I'm out promoting the the only thing as opposed to making sure people also knew, right? Like my culture, yeah, like which which is my unique way. So when I like we deliver our version, my version of how I like the CrossFit philosophy to be delivered. Mm-hmm. And so if you ask me, this is the way it should be done. But you go down the street, it could be done totally different. That doesn't make it wrong. That makes it that culture mm. and that person's expertise. Um, and so uh, what's that Adam Sandler movie where he was um, the Israeli Special Forces guy? Do oh. you guys know what I'm talking oh, about? Oh, yeah. Yep. That was exciting. <laughs> and, and was that the movie? Is that where – where uh the bad guy, like every word he said meant one the same thing. He said one mm-hmm. word and it meant like a lot lot of different things. Like you could be you could be put to death or freed and hit he'd, uh-huh. he'd say one word. So that was like CrossFit, yep. right? Like CrossFit became anything you wanted it to be, which is that this is the most beautiful thing that's ever happened to marketing. It can be anything you want, but it's you that has to make it what you want it locally in your market.
0: Yep. Zohan.
1: Yeah. That yeah. was the Zohan. Yep. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. Zohan. You don't mess with Zohan. That was exciting. There was actually a good point there. If someone walks into a, a gym or our gym or any gym and they say, what makes you different? At that point, I know I failed in my branding and I need to revisit what I'm doing. And uh, I need to figure out a way to get that person to understand what I'm doing. Because that conversation, especially in like our gym, we haven't had that conversation in three years or ever. But if, if a gym's getting that, like what makes you different? Why are you different priced than the guy down the street? Both of you fundamentally failed in your ability to create differentiation in your CrossFit brand. So people should walk in there and already know what's going on. They should already be familiar with you, and they should be pumped about joining. It's not a conversation of sales. It's a conversation of enrollment. Mm. I'm ready to join. How do I do it? All right, let's step in my office. Let's talk a little bit. Let's take 20 minutes to figure this out and see if it makes sense to move forward.
0: Yep. Guys, I want to talk about Out of the Cave Media. Uh, When did this start and where did the name come from?
2: So Out of the Cave Media came from, basically, we opened Stone Age Fuel uh, a long time ago, 100 years ago. And then we started working in, uh, in the Mad Lab group a little bit, working with kind of businesses and helping people understand marketing relationships. And what we really started to find was... People fundamentally didn't understand how to build it or what it even meant. And everybody was addicted to leads and lead generation, or not lead generation, like automated email systems. And so we figured out that there was a gap there. There was people with all of this stuff, but no way to get people to it or no way to get qualified people to it who cared about them. And so then we started and Out of the Cave Media was born, what was it, a year and a half ago, Dave?
1: A year and a half. I mean, we've been doing it for a little longer. We officially became Out of the Cave about a year and a half ago.
2: Yeah, we found that we really needed to probably put a name on what we were doing and create our own brand around it. So then we called it Out of the Cave Media because we're taking you from the stone age and pulling you out of the cave. We got to figure out what's (laughs) going on in today's economy and create brand culture, identity and differentiation. And then that created our motto of our goal is to build a culture of caring in the business with the owners, the coaches, and the customers, and the potential customers, and if we can build that culture of caring around everybody who interacts with our business and our brand, then we've ultimately won, and then Out of the, Cave mission, Out of the Cave's mission has ultimately won. Mm-hmm.
0: There's, you brought, I did not uh, I meant to bring this up earlier, guys, uh, but Chandler, you just hit on it, I, so I do want to back up a little bit and go over this, but the the idea of, of marketing automation is, maybe it still is, but there was a time where like that was just so sexy. It's this, like, set it and forget it. Like, you don't, ah, just, you know, pay a monthly thing. You don't, you know, it's, it's all good. You don't have to worry about anything. Um, I don't know. I have not seen a lot of success from, like, the full automation. Um, what... What hiccups do you guys see in that? What things do you guys think can be automated, and and kind of where did we go wrong with our obsession of not needing to actively brand? I think we we
2: see I call it shiny thing syndrome. You're like, oh man, marketing automation. I don't ever have to do anything again. I can go drink my Tizen Bora Bora now because my business is complete. Everybody, we're happy now. And then they do it and they're like, well, shit, nothing happened. And so I think the big fundamental problem with marketing automation was it was touted as a sexy lead generation tool it was sold the wrong way and it was sold in a way that wasn't correct or wasn't right in the the business owner's eyes because people know the business owners are desperate for leads so they sell them a lead generation machine which wasn't and then they, they feel like they've bought something that really didn't help them out. And then that shiny uh, thing syndrome wears off and people start canceling these products. And I think it, marketing automation is important and good in some regards because we do need to use it to kind of obviously send like email receipts and stuff like that. So people know they've paid for something. We also need to use it for. Nurturing current clients so you can set up like ger- like the emails for clients to go out every so often. So they get technique tips or nutrition tips or maybe you do a six-week pull-up challenge inside your gym. You can automate those emails ahead of time so it saves you time. So you can automate things to save you time, but you can't automate the relationship. And automation doesn't drive leads into your business and automation doesn't build brand. Automation can nurture the people who you've already pulled into your network, but that's where it is.
0: It um so so there's there are certain instances like you said sending a a follow-up email somebody schedules an intro like there needs to be an automated email that goes out you don't want to leave that kind of stuff up to right. up to chance yeah. um but it's a I'll give you an example there are these pants I I use this example a lot there's these pants that I love <laughs> I wear them every single day and every time they and I am in a like email a day campaign with this company and i know i'm in this automated campaign with them and and it just keeps going it keeps going it keeps going they're always in my news feed but you sure as shit better believe that the the second they come out with a different color of these pants i buy them and i say that to because it's not necessarily i don't necessarily have a relationship like i don't see these people they're not a active part of my everyday yeah. life it's a one-time purchase and i'm like bro i just need the information is there do you have this in olive drab yes or no if yes i'm buying and like that's so, a great example of good automation that's not our business yeah
2: exactly
1: <laughs> i think what like the big thing is because we're we have it like i mean we we have one of our products is some automation stuff um and early on, we did make the mistake. We were pushed in this direction a little bit, but we made the mistake of selling it as the first thing. Yeah. And we quickly, like, we don't even talk about it anymore because it's something that yeah, it's a necessity, but it's not, um, it's not what our specialty is. So we we use it as a as a, a support mechanism, not as a primary driver. But I think what happens is, like, so you just described something where it's it's client experience in the client lifecycle, mm-hmm. right? You have to look at the whole thing. You can't look at one piece. And this is the, the like shiny like object syndrome. Like people are selling these individual pieces and they're tapping you for like five hundred, a thousand, like, and then you can't afford anything else. You have to not look at any of that. You have to look at client lifecycle. You have to come up with a full blown strategy for that. And then you have to fill in every piece of it, client experience. And then you can say this is the tool I'm going to use. To fill this gap in the client experience, and then next week a new tool could come out that could be better, right? Which is fine, but that's not the product. The product's mm-hmm. the, the client experience. And so what you're describing is 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 a, a, like a nurture system. People are like, well, I only get a 30 percent open rate. Well, like no one's going to open 100 percent of your shit. Mm-hmm. Like th- you have to you have to go to where the consumer's at. So you have to make sure that your stuff goes to every platform out there. And then when you when your consumer happens to want something, they'll see they'll see it at the right time. So it might not be for them every time, it's only for them every quarter or whatever it is.
2: Yeah, I think that's a good point that Dave had there. It's automation can't, we don't see it as the beginning. It can't be the beginning, it can be down the road and it can be something we add in once the spider web systems put together as the final piece to nurture the people you've brought in and to create the continual brand identity and relationship building, but it can't be the first. I think that's the big problem people run into and that's why we don't even talk about it anymore because we don't want people to buy that upfront. And we work with a lot of people who are on different automated platforms, but we still build our system on top of it because we're capable of basically interjecting ourselves and injecting what we do into that to make sure that they are getting the brand, the identity, the culture and the relationship they need to make that automation actually work. And I think the last thing people struggle with, with automation is they buy these out of the box packages. And then the guy down the street buys the out of the box package. And now you're sending the same exact emails, you have the same exact website as the guy down the street. So now you have essentially- No culture. Made, <laughs> Yeah, you made yourself look like a friend, you've literally made yourself look like a franchise with this. Cause the, the consumer sees, oh same website, okay. I I opted on both these campaigns. Oh, same emails. They must be the same thing. I'll just go find the cheaper one. So what I think you really need to look at with this is you need unique and unique automation that creates that differentiation. So you need to write it out all around your culture and around you, and it can't be the same as the guy down the street.
0: Uh, One thing – I love this, this picture of your client journey, your client experience is the same, and you need to map that out. And then, yes. and then, as tools come at you, you simply insert those tools into that same journey, into that same culture. Now, so because then you're prepared. All right, let's say that uh, you know, Google's email filters are amazing. People are automatically unsubscribed from any list that they're at Like all of these things. So, the day that email dies, sweet, I I can just throw text messaging into. That's this right. existing client yeah. journey. Oh, let's say uh people stop reading my blogs. Awesome. I'll start go uh, I'll go do lunch and learns at uh local companies. I'm just interjecting that into the same client experience. So like the the tools don't really matter. It's that it's the that's culture right. and that experience that the pe- that the people are receiving. Yeah. And that's exactly. our first call.
1: Like so we don't like every if, if people aren't working with business consultants, um, you're crazy, right? Like, you know, so and we don't want to be like, we don't want to be the business consultants. We want to be the client experience journey guys. And then, you know, we manage the tools and we help, you know, strategize and, and build on that end. Um, but, but you need a mentor. And it doesn't have to be like an existing fitness mentor. Like, it, it's just a mentor. Everybody needs them. The, the smartest guys in the world have them right? Like people that can help you work through your business processes and make decisions. When it comes to this strategy, it's, it's our first call. We go through that, that client life cycle first. Then we start building the strategy over six months, but we just keep tacking on and tacking on, uh, using the tools necessary, uh, not selling you a tool as a solution. I like, you know, and it, it's huge. I like it. And we, and we do something cool where, uh, we just started doing this about six months ago and it's changed our lives. It's, um, so we, we use a collaboration tool. So we put clients into it so we can actually, you know, it's not just when we're on calls, they can use it and work every day, all day. And we get notified and we can, we can, you know, help them along their development journey. Um, and then they can put their whole team in and use the platform. So it allows us to help manage on that end. And if they're working with anybody else, right, this is something that's totally missed. Like we just had, we blew up a, someone's marketing proposal yesterday. They had three different companies doing three different things with all this money. We're looking at it going like scratching stuff off, going, Holy crap, you're going to spend too much money. You know? And yeah.
2: so the thing, the, the we, worst we, thing we, about that was she put her on a deadline I was like, yeah, I hate it when you put people on deadlines to purchase things, cause they always yeah. get worse. Yep.
1: But what we do is, is we invite everybody into the collaboration tool. Mm-hmm. So, so if you're working with a client, we want to make sure that you're also in the collaboration tool. So if you're making suggestions or, or fixing stuff, we want you to see what we're doing so that you can you can make sure it connects yep. to the overall business strategy. And it can't be separate. Mm-hmm. And that's a big mistake people make. Is you know, they, I, I work with a marketing guy and I work with this guy and that guy, but they're not all talking to yep. each other.
0: Yep. Uh that's cool, guys. I, I so let's do this. Let's wrap up this show talking about. What can we do? What action can we take? We, we've talked about how important culture and differentiation is. We've talked about how important this client journey is. For the gym owners listening to this, this is the beginning of the year is when this is going to air. And people are thinking about marketing. They're thinking about differentiation. They're thinking about getting leads in the door. How can we begin to outline the important things first and then begin to insert the tools?
2: Uh, I'd say we need to do two important things. Number one, we need to make sure that we're capable of executing because people don't like to execute and then be consistent once we've executed. So how, you, how do you do this? You set yourself up in the strategic planning phase as we talked about earlier for 2018. Have your whole plan mapped out and your plan should start with, okay, I know we need to produce content. Uh, just talk to a couple of you, five of your best members. What do they want? What are they looking for? Why did they come see you? Then, once you understand and learn that, make the commitment to putting out two pieces of content a week, one from you and maybe one from one of your staff, or if everybody wants to do it, but I would say two to start so you don't burn yourself out and you actually do it. Once you put that out, then walk into five businesses and talk to them about how you can guys can work together in the new year and what they would like to see from you and what you could provide them. Always approach them with the idea that you're going to give them value first and you're not going to ask for anything in return. And once you do these two, these two things are critical because then you're setting yourself up so people can see you with the content you're putting out. And I'd recommend videos right now or a podcast because people will watch or listen over anything and then go out and talk to the local businesses. And now you have two pieces of the spider web established that you can use and start driving business into your gym, both online and offline. And it starts with the people inside your facility. So use them to learn and understand how you can bring more people in like them, then produce content and information to uh, people who can see and say, "Wow, that's me. That's 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 what what I'm experiencing, struggling with. I have to go see them now."
0: I think a great question. I love that last bit there, Chandler. Uh, it starts with the people in your facility. A great question. I mean, legitimately, just write down your five favorite members and walk up to them and be like, "Hey, like, what?" what were you doing before you came in like what what of our stuff did you look at what was what was compelling did you like us on Facebook did you follow us on Instagram did you read any blogs did you hear something from a friend did you see me present somewhere cool what what did that look like and then what was the thing that made you actually walk in the door because I know you were nervous before you did it there's probably a lot of anxiety around that decision what was the event that made that happen
2: yeah, that's it. And then if it's a good story, record it. Boom. There's your there's your person on
1: that's the internet. Right. Right. Yeah, do right it, right here. do it live. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I do. <laughs>
0: awesome. Oh, that's, that's so right. cool. Um, guys, how do we how do we find you? Uh, social media. Uh, any any cool blogs or piece uh, bits of information the gym owners out there should check out first and foremost.
2: Yeah, so you can find us on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter at OOTC Media. That's where what we are is everything at Facebook and Twi- uh, Periscope and YouTube, we do a live show every single day almost. We call it the Almost Daily Show. Uh, you can also go to our website, ootcmedia.com, or our claim to fame is our podcast. So it's called the Almost Daily Show. So we get on there and we talk about a different topic. We keep it under 20 minutes just about every day and we answer questions. So if people do have questions for the show, just email us, hello at ootcmedia.com, and we'll answer anything you have. We'll even bring you on the show to talk about it.
0: Awesome. I like it. Guys, uh, thank you so much. So uh, Dave Picardi, Chandler Walker. Guys, this is a really fun discussion. We should do it again. Uh, Let's do it again sometime in in the new year because you guys have a lot of great insight with this stuff. A ton of fun uh, to talk to. So listeners, uh, ootcmedia.com. Facebook, Instagram, Periscope, Podcast. You guys are walking the walk. I dig it. That's right. We practice when we (laughs) Yeah, good times. All right, guys. Uh, Have a good one. Uh, Listeners, we'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning in and for your continued support of 321GO Podcast. If you would like to support the people that support this show, head over to the show notes now and click on the appropriate links. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while and you know that it's time that you need to take some action on changing your business, I would strongly encourage you to check out our hub platform, 321goproject.com slash hub. It is only $69 a month and inside the hub is everything you need to run a business from business templates to marketing courses and everything in between. All that information is there in the hub. If you are a member of The Hub and you want a little bit more additional accountability, check out one of our M3 groups. That's a Momentum Mastermind group. It is you and four or five other like-minded gym owners uh, just ready to crush it and keep each other accountable. Uh, 321goproject.com slash M3. Additionally, if you have not yet, please subscribe to this show and leave us a review on iTunes. That is how people find us, and that's how we continue to grow and bring on more guests. Again, thank you so much for tuning in, and we'll see you next week.